Welcome to Redemption Unscripted. On this podcast, you will hear unscripted conversation to help you know Jesus, grow in your relationship with Him, and go advance His kingdom. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome back to another episode of Redemption Unscripted. As always, I'm your host, Austin, one of the pastors here at Redemption Chapel, and I'm excited to dive into another discussion on this podcast. And let me quickly introduce who's on the mics. As always, we got Pastor Rick, our lead pastor. How are you doing today? Good, brother. Thank you. Good to be with you. Glad to have the, the other guy with us. And that is very true. We have Gary Durbin, our worship arts director. How are you doing? Uh, good to be the other guy today. <laughs> you were the host on the last episode. So. That's true. Was I? Yeah, yeah. So it's good to have you right back. On. But Looking forward to having you in the discussion, and we'll, your, your role will come into play in a little bit in this discussion, but before, before we get into that, let me ask you guys a question. So I know the people listening to this podcast, they're uh, listening to it in September, so school by that point is fully back in session, we're into the school year, and one of the things I like about when high school or school gets going is high school sports. I love going to football games, basketball games, so it made me think, like, what sports did you guys play when you were in high school? So go... Way back. No, I'm just oh. kidding. I'm sorry. Uh, so, so this is a podcast. They can't say back. that you looked right at me with a little grin on your face. Yeah, he's not, saying way back. He's not like this young guy over here. The other guy's really young. You know? That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so so go, going back to your days, like what, what, what sport did you play back in high school? You're looking at me. Okay. So, way. Yeah. well, way back when I was in high school, I graduated in 1988. How old were you then, Austin? Uh, I was not alive yet. When were you born? 89. 89. So I graduated high school before you were born. Dang. Wonderful. So uh, I was a wrestler. So I, gr- I did a lot of soccer growing up, uh, but it, it really trashed my ankles. And so it was no bueno. So I started wrestling in middle school and all through high school. And it was good for me because I was a little guy. I was a late bloomer. So now I'm I'm not so small. <laughs> I can lose some weight. But, uh, but back then, I wrestled 98 pounds my freshman year, and I graduated wrestling 112. So mm. I was just a little dude. Wow. Loved it, though. Great sport. Yeah. A lot of fun. Yeah. Nice. What, what about you, Gary? Well, my only answer to this question is basketball is my favorite sport. I like the way they dribble up and down the court. Oh, well done. Well done. Well played. I always say that. <laughs> my, my wife just waits for me to finish that, like whenever I tell somebody that, and then she pauses and just looks at me, and she just waits for me, for me to say the rest of it. But <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm tall, and no, I mean, from the time I was little, I fell in love with basketball. So, yeah, I played basketball in high school. Nice, yeah. Well, now, yeah, that was one of mine, so I know both of, both you and I share that love for basketball. I was uh, I did a lot of skateboarding, which wasn't like a sport you did at school, so I was kind of not into the sport crowd for, for a long time in middle school and high school, but did play some basketball. But weren't you like low-key so. sponsored at one point as a skateboarder? <laughs> I was, yeah. So I just, <laughs> well, there you go, man. That makes it, that makes it, it legit. Fun. You're not yeah, just yeah. some dude causing, causing trouble at the park. True. Yeah. Do those kick flips and ollies. I still can do a kick flip. So nice. if anyone's listening and they want to see, just ask. I and you still I play see basketball, it. right? I still play a lot of basketball. Do you yep. still get angry on the court? Uh, that's for another time. Okay. We'll talk about that in another podcast. Gary, do <laughs> you want to answer that question? I mean, I think it would be a great episode of the podcast. <laughs> that would be a good one. Gary, yeah, Gary's calming down on the court a little bit. So well, let's, let's get to the discussion. This is going to be a rabbit trail. But uh, excited, like I said, to have you guys kicking this topic around. So we're going to talk about 
art and the church. So art and the church. When we say art, we want to make sure just from the get-go here before we get into it, when we say art, we're not saying just paintings or drawings. Like we have great pieces of art in our atrium that uh, artists in our congregation have done, and we love that, but that's just one form of art. And so we're going to be talking about art and all of its expressions, music, movies, all the different forms. So we'll get into that in a little bit, but I wanted our listeners to know when we say art, we're talking more broader than, than maybe what we think. So with that in mind, guys, let's just start the discussion. Let me throw this question out at you is why is this even important or relevant uh, to our day when we think about art and the church? Well, I think it's relevant because we are not only Christians, but we're human. Um, and if we're not human, we can't be Christian. So as humans, um, we are, uh, God intentionally made us as visual beings. So right now I'm thinking primarily of visual art. And I agree, you know, painting, sculpture, whatever. I agree, it's a, it's a broader topic. Poetry would come in there. Um, but we're visual beings. So if you just think about that for a moment, um, we are as humans tuned towards beauty. So we look at paintings and art and we go, oh, wow, that's beautiful. Like there's something that's kind of flows from deep down within us. Or we see, a, we go up on a mountaintop and we, we see this beautiful landscape in front of us and we love it. That comes from within us. That's part of the human experience. Or even think how often, um, think how often people post beach scenes or sunrises or sunsets on social media. Why? Because there's something within us that is sparked by that. We go, wow, that's beautiful. Where does that come from? Well, we were made by God in that way. It's part of the human experience. So if you separate art from Christianity, then what we've done is we've separated part of the human experience from our faith. And so these actually should be going together. You with me on that? Mm-hmm. Now, uh, some that, okay, so God, I say God made us in that way, but then that pokes at the idea that, uh, well, wait a minute, that's who God is. So God is an amazing artist. So you think about right now this new telescope. What's the name of that new, I'm spacing the name right now. Uh, it's the, the one that makes Hubble look like dog wow. snot, right? Like, so anyway, but that thing, I, we could Google the name anyway. Uh, and we're getting these images back from the universe and we're just, our jaws are dropping. Like our God is an amazing, amazing artist. He is the creator. And so when we are made in his image, there is something within the human experience that wants to create, basically to be creative. We're, we're mimicking our dad in that. We're mimicking our God. And so it flows from that. Well, when I think of why is it important, um, I think of it in two ways. Like, I'm an artist myself, so I mm-hmm. create music. I'm a songwriter. I'm a writer. I even like to draw a little bit. Um, so I learned about myself a long time ago. As a creative person, I need a creative outlet or I will go crazy. Mm-hmm. So that's part of my makeup. But then there's the other side of we the, the world needs art. We need that expression of art especially from the church, and we'll talk about that. But um, one of my favorite Christian artists of all time is Rich Mullins, one of his guitarists. His name is Rick Elias, and there's this great quote that he talks about with artists. He says, this is why we need artists. They express the inexpressible. They express for us 
a lot of times what we can't express for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So there's this role that art plays uh, in our lives, and it's like an expression of the soul, really. It's a passion. Which is interesting because it's helping us connect with emotions within that we're feeling and maybe don't know how to express. Art does that. And in the midst of a fallen, broken, painful world, art can, A, take the edge off because it's a, it's a reprieve, but B, it can help us cope with and, and kind of process yeah. some of that pain. Oh, for sure. Yeah, even in my own times of trauma, <laughs> my outlet was writing songs. I think I wrote like 50 songs in a year. Mm-hmm. It was nuts, but that was my... Was that in a recent year? Yeah, yeah. Well, and I remember, okay, you know, so that's part of your story, and, and yeah, our yeah. congregation knows that, and Divorce uh-huh. Care, actually, uh-huh. as we're recording this, starts tonight, Yep. and you and your wife, Jenny, will be leading that, and I'm mm-hmm. so looking forward to that for our, our church, but I remember as you went into that dark tunnel in that dark time, talking with you, and I even encouraged you, yep. bro, I want you to write during this time, I want you to write a lot of music. Yeah, just to express... Mm-hmm get it out expressed, but in a beautiful way. Yeah. Uh, it, it was so healing and helpful. So, yeah, getting in touch with that, man, art is huge. Mm-hmm. Right on. Now, why do you guys think, so, you know, one of the interesting things is you guys even share some of that and the insight into to why art is important. Uh, you know, a lot of our listeners probably realize there seems to be this disconnect between art and the church. They don't always go together. There seem to be this, like, weird, like, we kind of know they should, but we don't know how and why they don't easily go together. So, so what's caused that problem? Why do you think that's an issue for us today in the church? I love this question. Uh, so this is, you guys know I'm a little bit of a geek for history, and there's a lot. This is a long, complicated story to get us here, but I think it's fascinating stuff. And it helps us understand ourselves and art a little bit better in our faith. So if you go, like, dial it way, way back to the Old Testament, it talks about craftsmanship. Basically, that God gifted individuals, uh, all humans can do art, no doubt about it, but God has uniquely gifted some to really do art. And that was a part of a a very spiritual gifting within uh, the Jewish faith. It was a good, good, good thing. And so, like, back then, they were certainly going together. Oh, let me give one caveat. Your question, though, when you said, why is art and Christianity separate? Uh, I, and I know you and I agree on this, but we're saying, uh, when we say Christianity in that case, we're saying modern American evangelical Christianity, right? And that's the history we've yep. got to get to. So anyway, so you got craftsmanship in the Old Testament. Now, as Jesus dies on the cross, rises from the tomb, so uh, now Christianity is born and launched. Now you have the church. But the early church, remember, they were persecuted. When you're just basically trying to stay alive, you're not doing a lot of art at the time. So for the first couple centuries of Christianity, not a lot of art. Then uh, Christianity goes from uh, an illicit religion, uh, an illegal religion, uh, becomes the religion of the empire, thanks to Constantine, early 300s, that, that happened. Now, that's, that was a mixed blessing, right? So there's, there's good and bad with this. The, the bad part is that when that happened, politics and power and corruption gets married to Christianity. 
And, and that would be the case until uh, the Reformation. And it got gross. And so I, uh, it reminded me of a quote that I have in my office from St. Boniface in 740. He said that once our priests had chalices of gold, and no, excuse me, he said once our priests have had chalices of wood and hearts of gold, now our priests have chalices of gold and hearts of wood. Mm-hmm. So you see, so politics and power and corruption flood in, and it just starts to get gross. So that, that was the bad side. Here's the good side. Persecution stopped. And, and when that's a good thing. And then Christianity, now it's got some resources, and so it allowed for art. So then what would happen is Christianity would become the womb for a ton of art, visual art, uh, poetry, Music, like all this stuff would really be flowing out of Christianity huge. Now, is that our experience today? (laughs) No, not at all, right? So uh, what happened then next kind of in history, and I'm glossing over some stuff. So then you have the Reformation come in in the 1500s. And again, there is both good and bad there. The, The good part was that there was a very much needed theological and ecclesiastical Reformation, reforms had to happen, okay? But the bad part is iconoclasm, like, like an icon, iconoclasm. So basically, um, one of the things that was happening was the worship of images, where God said, hey, don't make any uh, God in any image. Don't do that. Like, and so what happened prior to the Reformation is images were sometimes used as good art in the church, but sometimes they were the, <clears throat> excuse me, the object and the focus of worship. So the Reformation uh, did a good thing in saying, nope, we're not going to worship images. But it probably swung the pendulum a little mm. too hard, a right, right. little too far, and said, all images are bad. Mm. And, and so that started us down a path of... Um, of some bad stuff. That uh, Now, there was another interesting thing that I'll mention that happened in the Reformation. The printing press. Right? You know this. Printing press was invented right before the, the Reformation. And if it weren't, the Reformation might not have happened. Because one of the things that happened is people were taking Luther's uh, theses and his booklets and printing them. Back in the day, no copyright. So you just take it and you run it and you sell it. And you don't have to pay the original author anything. What a gig. So, so they're running this thing off. And now that's how the Reformation really took off and happened. Without the printing press, it wouldn't have happened. But notice what happened then is it put the emphasis not on anything visual or anything musical. It put it on the written word. So now it's so you can see some of our heritage there in modern evangelical Christianity that our heritage is from the printing press, the word. That's it. Art. Doesn't matter, not good, not valuable, just the word. Give me the words. So that's kind of where we got with the Reformation. With me so far? Yes. All right. All right. So next one happened is you have the Enlightenment come in. And with the Enlightenment, uh, a wedge starts to get kind of pounded in between Christianity and culture. And culture is going to involve art. And Christianity, because of our heritage from the Reformation, whatever, is, is less so. So now our faith is starting to get separated from art. 
The next chunk you had was the industrial or technological revolution. And what starts to happen there is the world starts to get closer. So you start to know um, more people from different cultures. That leads to relativism, pluralism, post-Christian society. Again, I'm glossing over a lot of stuff to keep it tight. But the result of that is, again, a further wedge between Christianity and culture. And culture is going to have art. Okay, so you see this, this kind of widening gap there. And then the final kind of chunk of history I'll throw on the table, uh, the, probably the final straw that broke the camel's back. So in the early 1900s, in, uh, excuse me, at the, it was right around 1900, turn of the century in American history, uh, that's when you have a lot of Christian liberalism was starting up. And because a lot of Christians were going liberal, there was a reaction to that, a response to that. Do you know what that's called? Fundamentalism. Yeah. I know both of you guys have background there that you've, you've oh, yes. swam in those waters, right? Okay, <laughs> oh, yeah. and if you think about your background, so, so a lot of fundamentalism is the world is bad. Mm-hmm. And, and so what we're going to do to protect ourselves, we're going to hold on to the word, right? It's all about the written word. We're going to separate from culture. We're going to circle the wagons. And this really led to a big part of the sacred-secular split. So we're going to hold on to the sacred. We're going to get rid of the secular. And which bucket do you think art is in? Right, right. You see that? So now uh, we even further move away from art, and, uh, and it's just a tragic, tragic thing. So that's kind of... Uh, thanks for letting me just spew a bunch of historical oh, back. Hopefully that's yeah. interesting to you guys and to our listeners. Yeah. But that's kind of how we got to where we are, where now uh, the valuable thing is the preaching of the Word of God and kind of worldly and secular and less valuable and sometimes bad is art. Mm-hmm. And that's all we need is preaching. How do you feel about that, Gary? Amen, brother. <laughs> I don't think you believe that, and neither do I. I feel like your neither job kind of rests on what you believe about that. <laughs> I love preaching. Um, yeah, it's, it's funny as you were explaining that, you know, I've been uh, doing modern worship music for the last 20 years, mm-hmm. but grew up in the church in the fundamentalist, what you explained as the fundamentalist uh, approach to things, which was... Yeah, vilifying secular, you know, stuff, quote unquote. And I remember as a kid being told that, like, almost like it was a truth that needed to be taught to me was that the church needs to be about five steps behind the world. So it's, it's, it's because the church always caught up. Mm-hmm. It usually is late, you know. So it's almost like I always think of California. I lived in California for a while. It's like a lot of trends start in California, and then it takes a while for it to make its way across the country. And then sure. California did it first. But it's, that, I, I feel like it, that was kind of what I was taught with the church. Is like, okay, there's like this piety about, uh, about that. Like, okay, we're going to stay behind the world, the secular stuff, um, but we'll eventually do it. <laughs> That was well, and it's interesting it. you said needs to be, because on the one hand, I agree, absolutely agree, we're often five steps behind the world. Uh, it, so just think in terms of graphic design. So uh, we in Christianity have the best, most important message in the history of the world. And we're sometimes the worst at presenting it. At least we're behind the world. So graphic design comes on the scene, and some of the latest adopters would be the church. 
mm. where w- why wouldn't we try to leverage graphic design and, and man, we've got the most important thing to present and we're way behind, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause we categorize it as secular. Mm. It's not necessary. Right. All we need is words. Right. So yeah, I see that I've grown up in the, the fundamentalist hardcore, um, view of the, that kind of stuff for sure. And then I've seen the other side too, where it's like, um, being in the modern church, uh, when I think of art, I think, and this might be going on a different trail, but I, but I think of art and I think of creativity. Mm-hmm. And so I think even in our modern age, when we take advantage of all that kind of stuff, we can squelch creativity by using art that's already manufactured and proven to be good. And we don't have freedom to create, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. So I've, and I will <laughs> clarify that has not been at Redemption Chapel for me, but, but uh, yeah, um, that's why I love, one of the reasons I love our church is we have the freedom to create. You know? Oh, and I want us to. Yeah. You yeah. know, and, and we have original music coming out right, of our church. Right. I've gotten to participate a little bit mm-hmm. in that. And so a lot of people don't know that I, I have a large creative side to me of craftsmanship and uh, woodworking. I, did, I don't know if you guys knew this. Uh, you guys know what my major was in college? No. Economics, right? Oh, yeah, I knew that, yeah. But it was either, but I had uh, two profe- different professors my freshman year, one pushing me to be a writer and one pushing me to do art. Uh, so, like, drawing and painting, and, and that was a big part of who, who I was, and I ended up with economics. And so it's like, yeah, it's, wow. I'm a little bit schizo, but there it is. <laughs> uh, so, but I love that. And, yeah, I love seeing that flow out of our church as well. Mm-hmm. So we're, and, and that's, man, I love that. We'll even, we'll kind of hit some of those specifics here in a minute. But before that, I mean, kind of coming off, Rick, what you just shared about kind of that history and where we're at. So so where do we find ourselves today? So how how does that history you walk through kind of impact the way that, you know, the current church and uh, our culture is viewing art and how do they work together? Maybe some of the, there's some good and bad there, but. Where are we at today with this whole split? So this might help our listening audience understand kind of what what that means, what that looks like. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm dealing with a little ragweed allergy. Love this season of the year. So, okay. so one area this flows into is music. We've been talking about music all already. Uh, so let's talk about contemporary Christian music, CCM, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the interesting things about CCM, so a lot of our, uh, our, our congregation listens to the fish. Confession, I never listen to the fish. I never listen to radio, but uh, I feel like a bad pastor admitting that. I feel like that's... I'm right there with you, so you're not the only one. I live two minutes away, so it's like not enough time to like listen to anything to bother with my phone or listen sure. to anything. So it's usually on the Christian radio station. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times I go home for lunch. So it's right in time to hear the national anthem. So that's always nice. <laughs> and that's another that's podcast. Be, yeah, 100%. That is a different podcast, brother. All right. So CCM is a very interesting thing. It is defined by its lyrics, not by its style. It's the only genre of music that is that way. So when you think about jazz, Okay, if there's, let's say there's sometimes, a lot of jazz is instrumental, uh, but uh, if there's lyrics, it could be about anything, but it's the style of the music that makes it jazz. 
Blues, same thing. Country, same thing. Rap, same thing. Rock and roll, same thing. CCM, totally different thing. (laughs) It can be all kinds of different styles, but it has to be about Jesus. It has to be about the Bible. So it's defined by its lyrical content, not by its musical style. And so basically it is music made by Christians for Christians, and that's what defines it as such. So think about this. What does... I listen to a lot of jazz. Uh, I write most of my sermons while listening to jazz. I can't, when I'm writing or reading, I can't have lyrics. So I do, I listen to a lot of jazz. What does Christian jazz sound like? Right. There, I mean, yeah. there, there's no such thing. Now, right. now, you can have a Christian artist who is uh, listening to, or who is uh, composing jazz, but it's, we would never call it Christian jazz. We would just call it jazz. Unless it's a Christian trying to hijack jazz to make a message to the world. And then what we would probably call it is just bad jazz. <laughs> right? I mean, like, and it's just, then it's just not as good. Right? So uh, you start to get an idea for how this starts to impact the music scene. Which, Gary, you grew up in and you write music and all that. So uh, how, what's that triggering you, man? Well, I mean, the one thing we know is there's no music notes in the Bible. Can't find them. Mm-hmm. So that perpetuates a quote that I heard a long time ago from a pastor. He said, there's no such thing as Christian music. There's only Christian lyrics. So mm-hmm. it kind of proves kind of what you there were you just, go. Nice. just talking about. Now, that said, I do want to say that I don't think that listening to Christian music is wrong. No, I think there's po- it's positive, it's good, and... A- a lot of times it's good truth and all that stuff. Not always perfect truth um, on the Christian radio, but um, CCM Christian, contemporary Christian music doesn't have a great reputation as far as art, <laughs> as far as actual musicality of it and, and the writing. Um, so Being what, among musical artists. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, I, um, so, I, yeah, I definitely want to keep saying it's not... <laughs> If you listen to Christian radio, it's okay. And I hope you're not offended by what I'm about to say, but it is a known thing. All, Christian music is basically comes from Franklin, Tennessee. And um, that's where most of the artists are and uh, producers and all that, and writers and all that kind of stuff. It is a known fact that um, there is a certain band that came out and said that when they're in the studio, and this is years ago, creating music for Christian radio, they ask one question. And the question is, will Becky like this? And Becky is their target audience, which is, you know, a mom in her car listening to the radio. Now, I don't want to say that moms in cars have bad taste in music. I don't want to say that. That's not what I'm saying. (laughs) But there is like a very narrow audience they're going for. Um, And I think what's happened is... It's sacrificed a lot of good art in the Christian music industry. Like I can think of artists like John Guerra. I know you like John Guerra. Amazing Christian artist. Nobody's ever heard of him. I mean, most people don't never. He doesn't get on the radio. Uh, John Mark McMillan wrote How He Loves. That's all we, people know about that guy. But he's written some incredible stuff. He's just not your typical Christian, contemporary Christian artist. So I think we've sacrificed some really good art yeah. because of all that. Yeah, and even if you think about the wide spectrum of music, 
we become narrow. And, and I should backfill and say, listen, I don't listen to the fish, but if I'm in my truck, if I'm on my motorcycle, I'm not listening to music. But if I'm in my truck, uh, I'm usually listening to a playlist of worship music, which would be CCM, basically. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I love it. I'm into it. I get that. Uh, so I don't want to diss it too bad. But when you look at the Psalms, which is poetry, but it was intended to be lyrics. So you're right, Gary, we don't have the music anymore, but it's intended to be music. And it's this wide range of stuff. Some things David says or other psalmists makes us uncomfortable, right? And so there's this wide range. And I, I, I feel like we've lost the wide range and we've really narrowed it significantly to make it marketable right. on a CCM. It's safe. It's yeah. commercialized. It's, and the, the, the target's there. And that's, I don't want to say it's wrong, or sinful or anything like that. But Isn't there literally a tagline safe for the whole family? Yeah. <laughs> Which I, I appreciate that as a parent. Oh, yeah, sure. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's better than you other know, options. I yeah. know. Uh, but it can be, at, I, I know it has sacrificed some good art coming out of uh, the Christian music industry for sure. And I was thinking about David and the Psalms and laments. Mm-hmm. And coming out of my personal experience, we talked about how I went through a rough period and I wrote, and that was a big healing part of me, was writing these really painful lyrics that will never see the light of day, most most of them, because they're just disturbing. <laughs> but it was a healing process for me. It was art. It was art coming out of my soul. Yeah. And some of them, I think, are painfully beautiful. They're beautiful. They're painful. And you you shared one song with only a handful of people. I was blessed to be in that circle. Uh, and I've been riding you to release it because yeah. I think it's a great song. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, but it comes from, it's a lament. And the, when you listen to the fish, how many laments do you hear? Yeah. You know, so we've narrowed the field significantly. Yeah, it, at, for the sake of positivity, yeah. which is yeah. not a... Not a horrible <laughs> cause, um, but yeah. No, but it gives. It, it, if we're not careful, uh, you know, it's that. Does uh, culture reflect art, or does art reflect culture? And 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 it can be a steering, driving thing. So there's that problem within Christianity that you're not allowed to be sad, you're not allowed to be depressed, you're not allowed to be anxious. You have to wear the mask and look happy all the time, mm-hmm. and look at our music. Yeah. yeah, and if if you're not offended yet, then. <laughs> Should we go on to movies? <laughs> it, uh, the Christian movies have a way worse reputation than Christian music. Yeah. I mean, and it, it all falls in line with everything you just said. You know, it's safe. There's a, it's a good ending to it. Um, everything works out. Uh, that, that tends to, I'm not saying that's all Christian movies, but the majority of the ones that I've seen. And then on top of all that, yeah, it's not great. It's not good acting. It's not good production. It's just not great art at the end of the day. Yeah, you've got thin characters, predictable plots, and, and it's basically uh, the gospel wrapped in a bad movie. And, and now, let's be careful in the sense that I know a lot of people who will listen to this, you might be thinking of a movie that you really liked, and it was and, and God, God did something in my life from that movie. That's awesome. God can use anything. You know, at one point in the Old Testament, God spoke through an ass. 
and then here at Redemption, he does it every Sunday. So, <laughs> uh, but <laughs> but <laughs> you like that? So uh, that's a joke I stole from Martin Luther. <laughs> anyway, uh, so but but he can use anything. So if your life was touched, that's okay. That's good, and you love that movie. That's okay. Personal preferences, fine. But in a lot of Christian movies are written by Christians for Christians. They have predictable plots and endings, and they want to preach the gospel hard, but they're not very good art. And that's and then and then secular movies are judged by are they good art, right? Uh, and so that's in there. Well, and that leads to a, a thought I wanted to throw you guys with that is so do you feel like you know they're like you said like we view secular movies as bad, whatever. So, like, do you think there's a danger of believers, Christians, not being able to see those movies as maybe something God wants to use his art to to minister to them? You're talking about, like, secular movies, mm-hmm. quote-unquote? You know, like, I know in our culture growing up, it's like, I mean, there's a secular movie is going to do nothing, so don't, you know, don't watch it, stay away from it, circle the wagons kind of thing. Right. But maybe there could be some really good, secular movies out there that we could actually benefit from, but we close ourselves off because of the fear of that. Oh, sure. Yeah. And it's all about your viewpoint of the world, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, in your life, Mm -hmm. are you looking at it through the lens of God or not? And, and um, yeah, I think if you look at it through the lens of God, you're going to see some things, even in quote unquote secular art that can inspire you to worship for sure. Well, in a little bit of a rabbit trail, I think we talked about this on a previous podcast. I could be wrong. But I don't think, quote-unquote, secular... See, see, we're doing the sacred-secular <laughs> yeah. split. So, yeah. But uh, non-Christian movies, uh, I don't think they are necessarily bad. The question is, do they show the bad stuff to be bad and the good stuff mm-hmm. to be good? Mm-hmm. So if it's that, well, you know what? It has some, some drunkenness and uh, sexual immorality in it. By the way, so does your Bible. But the Bible shows it to be sin. Doesn't okay? glamorize it, right? Exactly. Yeah. Right. And so is the movie actually relishing in the, the bad stuff, or is it? does it show that, wow, that was bad? So that's more my grid for that. Um, yeah, so I don't know if that that's helps. Good. Yeah. And would you guys go, I mean, you guys drilled a little bit down into music, movies. What? Thinking of other forms of art, how do you see this split impacting us today? Well, then you get to visual art, and so uh, which would be paintings and sculpture and, and drawings and whatnot. So, if you're a Christian artist, the expectation is that you paint scenes from the Bible. So, how many different ways can you paint the cross? And if you painted a scene uh, of Jesus on the cross, then you're being a good Christian artist. And if you didn't paint a biblical scene, then you're being naughty. You know that that's not what we believe, but but could a Christian artist be somebody who is a Christian, who loves Jesus, walks with Jesus, and definitely their worldview influences what they do and how they do it, but might paint landscapes, mountain scenes, or whatever. You know, like that'd be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I and I can even attest to like lyrics, song lyrics. Um, one of the things I'm as a writer and as a, a worshiper, as somebody who's, you know, because art at its best is not going to become vanilla or boring. It's going to be something that continually uh, adds color to the world. And um, yeah, even with lyrics, um, just kind of ch- 
challenging myself to go outside of boxes and describe things in more colorful, creative ways. Uh, the best lyricists do that, you know, like that, that have that in them uh, to depict something. So, and I can even think of reading books, you know, reading fiction books that have a, the author just has a way of helping you see that imagery in a creative way. So, yeah. So, so in light of this, I mean, what would you guys say? I mean, we, as, as Christians, there's going to be Christians who create art. So, so what does it mean if someone says, I'm a Christian artist? Like, what does that mean in light of everything we've been talking about? Yeah. So I, I would want the Christian artist to be informed by both the cross and creation. Now, to be fair, I'm going to give credit to Steve Turner, who uh, wrote a book called Imagine a Vision for Christians in the Arts. And so it's a, it's a great book that I read a while back. But he talks about this in there, that it, to be informed by both the cross and by creation. So um, the cross is what makes us Christian, but the creation is what makes us artists because we are created in the image of a creative being, and so we are being creative, right? So uh, what that means then is to fit in with non-Christian art culture. Sometimes what you have to do is abandon the cross. But as believers, we, we can't do that. So our walk with our Lord Jesus, it limits what we might do. It also motivates us and drives us. Uh, we desire to tell that story, but then we're, we we got to be wise. We have to uh, have rhythm and discernment. Like You can't paint with just one color, and you can't just paint the cross all the time, right? Um, oh, Lewis, uh, C.S. Lewis, who, brilliant mind, but also wrote a lot of fictional novel, novels, the Chronicles of Narnia. He talked about writing with your Christianity latent. So he, because it's not forced down your throat all the time, and, but, but it's latent in the background. So it's like a Trojan horse. You're sneaking it in the gates, basically. Um, so, so there's, we're informed by the cross. But then uh, to go about the creation side of it. So to fit in with Christian subculture, a lot of times the Christian artist feels like they've got to abandon the creation. Uh, so that's where everything becomes like this thinly veiled gospel presentation, and it's often bad art, and it's relevant only to Christians. Uh, but we shouldn't do that because we're called to engage culture, right? To live out our creative gifts. Like, Gary, I think if you do that, you would be unfaithful to your gifts that God's, God's given you, right? So uh, what if? What if we hold on to both creation and the cross, right? So if you hold on to the cross, you're probably going to do bad art, but Christians love it. And if you hold on to creation, that's where our art drive comes from. But a lot of times, if you do that uh, too much, then Christians won't like you. Mm. So this balance, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm bouncing off that thought. Christians won't like you or, or approval or anything like that. When I think about a Christian artist, I also kind of um, restate that title of like an artist who loves Jesus. You know, what does that look like? Um, I, I was uh, revisiting a book uh, pre preparing for this podcast called The War of Art. And at the end of the book, he said, he asked the question, uh, if you were the last person on earth, would you still create art? Mm -hmm. And it, yeah, it was a, it's a great um, motive check, especially if you're calling yourself a Christian artist or someone who's creating art for Jesus. Yeah, would you still 
create art? And hopefully the answer would be yes, because you would hopefully have that audience that you want to please the most, which is our Lord. And um, so obviously you want to bless others with art, inspire them to worship. That's, that's what I'm all about. Um, but yeah, ultimately, you know, having that audience of one that really sticks with me, resonates with me when I think about that. Dude, that's beautiful. I, I love cool. that. And and so being the only person on earth doing art in order to bless the only one that matters. Yeah, the creator. Uh-huh. And also we're made in his image. Right. Which, remember, he's the only God that is. Hmm. And he did art. Yeah. For whom? Right, right, for himself, right. and so uh, it's uh, it, it, so he, no one around. He did it anyway, and we're made in his image, so we do it anyway. Create for the creator. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's good. Well, let's do this, guys. Let's kind of land the plane with with kind of bringing it close to home. So we, you know, a lot of our listeners are from our congregation, so they 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 get a little sniff of what we do here at our church. Maybe someone listening. They don't. They don't attend here, but but for for both groups, I mean, what are some things we're doing here at Redemption Chapel uh, to make sure that we're not continuing this split of sacred, you know, secular, and keeping art out of church? How how are we kind of bridging those together and bringing art into the church and, and seeing it as worship? Well, I have thoughts here, but Gary, we really uh, love you and, and bless you and rely on you in this area. So I'd love to hear your thoughts first, brother. Well, I think it's it goes right to what we just talked about. You know, I think our motive is to create for the Creator and inspire others to worship Him. Um, so that's that's our motive behind all that we do. But yeah, I mean, we, you know, I think back to um, the older church, which I always think of stained glass and mm-hmm. how the use of that, the visual art of that, was to inspire people to worship. And I think of our screens. With that as well, yeah, I've always uh, looked at, you know, when I'm leading a song, I th- I'm very conscious of what is on that screen during the song, not just some in- some old background or whatever. <laughs> or the way we do the words, it's it's artwork what we do with that. Mm-hmm. So the screens are big. Uh, I, I want them to, want it to inspire them to touch the senses, to inspire them to worship. We have lighting. That's another form of artwork that we ha- now have, which is accompanied by haze, which haze like really takes those lights to another level as far as you know artwork. By haze, do you mean smoke or fog? Whichever way. You, okay, we're, cool. We're kidding because you know TJ is producing yeah, this TJ. in the room right now, and we're just really messing with TJ's, TJ's issues. Hundred percent haze, just yeah, for it, everyone on the record. It is, it is most definitely technically. Referred to as haze, not T- fog. TJ's over at his smoke. equipment right now, mimicking <laughs> like he's about to shut off yeah. all our mics. Yeah, so all, all those things, the, the technical aspects of things, we want to use in an artistic way. Uh, and just like any other art, not everyone is going to like everything that you create. That's the war of art, like the book says. Um, Has that been your experience, Gary? Oh, just a little bit. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's all about yeah helping people and mm-hmm. and glorifying the Lord. Yeah, yeah. Lights, music, the the, the haze, uh, graphics. Like we do stuff like uh, we we work within our our means, and so we we're we're not all that. But but man, I, I want things that our church produces to be graphically beautiful as much as they can be, and a lot of that flows through your your desk, Gary. Yeah, like even our. 
couple things we'll talk about is like uh, we call them bonus Sundays, the fifth Sunday, the fifth Sundays we take and we go over a, a chapter of Psalms, mm-hmm. and we always kick off those sermons with a creative video. Uh, with music and a background and someone narrating it, that's 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 art, mm-hmm. um, just to help people uh, dive into that scripture. And then we also um, uh, allow artists in our church on those Sundays to contribute in our atrium. Uh, right now, it's mostly paintings, and mm-hmm. um, it's been amazing. It's been awesome. Been really well received by the congregation, uh, and. And without doing that, so otherwise what we have is we have amazingly gifted visual artists in our congregation. And they've got these great gifts. And we could draw upon them and say, hey, you know, this upcoming Sunday we're going to be doing Psalm 14. Would you three, like, respond to that with visual art? Uh, and and now they feel like they're, they're gifting their craftsmanship that God has given them and their faith go together and their congregation loves it and it blesses the kingdom and it's great. Or what, otherwise what we say to them is, hey, that's great that you use that, but that has nothing to do with the church. And, and you know, there's the divide. And what, let's keep that out of the church. We want to be a church that goes, no, uh, we love that and we leverage that. And it's been cool to see that they are being Christian artists in the sense that they are Christians doing art. But like, you know, so for this last one, Psalm 14, so Dana's, Dana Potasek's piece was fish. Hmm. And nobody in their minds read right. Psalm 14 and came away with fish. Except for Dana. Except for Dana. <laughs> and, and when you read her description of it, it makes, and it's a beautiful, her piece is beautiful. The idea behind it is beautiful. But, it, but what you have is an artist who is being an artist. Mm-hmm. And it's great. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I think that's pr- pretty much it. Well, we got the doctrine story thing coming up. So that's videos and. Yeah, uh, we get we're yeah. working on something in background right now, which is uh, a more story way for people to understand doctrine, and we uh, will likely have some uh, artists working on that as well to to make it visually beautiful. Yeah, it's all about making our bullet point doctrine statement into a story um, mm-hmm. that people can consume, you right. know, yeah. in an easier way. Now, that takes creativity, yeah, and that takes, takes a lot of effort, a yeah. lot of effort, and it would be much easier to say, here are the bullet points of yeah. our doctrine statement, back to the printing press, back to the Word, that's all that matters. Hmm. But, but what if we brought art along as well? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this has been a great discussion, and, and like you even said, Rick, earlier, I mean, kudos to you, Gary, for a lot of this, what we talked about, it's coming through you, and you're working with tons of great people in our congregation who has gifts in this area to, to bring art into the church is not something we leave out there, but we bring it in. So as we kind of wrap up, any any closing thoughts you guys want to just leave with the listeners? Well, I mean, when I just think of, when I, when I was thinking about the idea of art connected to worship, I, the phrase that came to my mind is it's more than a product. You know, it's, it's a work of art, like what we do. And that's if it's coming from our soul and from our heart and from our passion. So to me that, yeah, that, the best art just comes from, you know, it comes from the heart. Yeah. For me, I, I, want, I want to be like our God. And our God is a beautiful, amazing God, and art just flows out of him. 
And so we are made in his image, and I want to live that out. I want to bring glory to him in that. Uh, I, we, he's given us the best message ever, and I want us to not make that boring or ugly. Uh, but I, I want to, So it's not always about the cross, uh, but when it is, I want to do it beautifully. And then also the, it's about the creation, and so it, we can bring glory to God by just painting a great mountain scene. Uh, and that's who I want us to be as believers. Well, that's good stuff, guys, and thank you for sharing your thoughts. Thanks for this discussion. Hopefully, if you're listening, this uh, gives you a better kind of view and broadens your view of art um, and the beauty it is and how God wants us to use it glorify Him. So thanks again, guys, and thank you for listening to another episode, and we hope you'll be back with us next month. Thanks for listening, and if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others. To catch the latest episode, be sure to subscribe and follow us. For more resources like this, visit our website at www.redemptionchapel.com grow. We hope you join us next time on Redemption Unscripted.